You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend. Well, welcome back, everybody, and thanks for downloading our show today. So we're taking a little bit of a break this week from our Increasing Generosity series. We've had two great weeks of that, and we will come back to that. Uh, The Increasing Generosity series is about how Catholic organizations are being successful during uh, this pandemic. I will tell you that uh, this week, as we drop this episode, you can hear a full episode of Forging Forward, where I do talk more about how uh, organizations, and that includes Catholic organizations, have been successful during this pandemic. I'm on the show with Brian Crimmins, the host of Forging Forward, along with Colleen Burdick and Mike Hutchinson, and we have a great conversation uh, around major gifts, around engaging with donors, and some strategies and some things that we have found uh, successful with our client work. So I would encourage you to check out this week's Forging Forward and the CW podcast episode 27 if you're interested in that. On today's show, I host a conversation with Jeff Ballister. Uh, Jeff and I had this conversation actually uh, this previous week on Facebook Live, and uh, we did it using Zoom, something new that I'm trying. Uh, And actually, it, it worked out well because we do a little bit of a demonstration that I'll narrate during our conversation, but the video is, I think, a little more descriptive and you get to actually see what we're doing. I won't spoil it for you, but uh, you can find that on our Facebook page. If you go to Facebook, just type in Advancing Our Church, you'll find our Facebook page, uh, and uh, you can also find it on our Twitter page, a link to it if you follow us there. So I'd encourage you, uh, we're going to try to do a few of our episodes using video. Uh, We're all spending a little bit more time at home, I think. Uh, At least a lot of us are who are working from home uh, or remotely. So uh, if you'd like to check that out, I would encourage you to do that. This is the audio version of that same interview. And so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Jeff's book. And Jeff's book is called God Doesn't Play Zone Defense, a practical game plan for building a one-on-one relationship with God. Jeff is a holy guy. He is a business executive who spends his free time giving away these free books. Um, He's sold quite a few copies and he's given away quite a few copies. And he goes around the country and he talks about how sports uh, and God and and, and he makes these analogies, how they really fit together. And, uh, And a lot of the principles that he used and that were taught to him as a coach and a player are, are really practical ways to draw closer in your relationship with God. So let me tell you a little bit more about Jeff. Jeff Ballister was born into a coaching and teaching family. He played college basketball under coaching legend Jim Bowtie Phelan at Mount St. Mary's University, where his team made the NCCA and NIT tournaments. After basketball, Jeff continues to enjoy a business career in information technology for both startup and Fortune 500 companies. Jeff, his wife Margot, and their children live in Vienna, Virginia. And so, without further ado, here's our conversation. Well, welcome, Jeff. Great to have you on the show today. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Great to be here. So we're talking about uh, your book, and that is God Doesn't Play Zone Defense. Uh, you've gotten a lot of traction on this book. How, is, uh, how has the journey been um, through this whole process? I know you wrote it 
couple years ago, um, and you said that if at least one, uh, one, at least one person is lukewarm about their faith when this is done, that it, that it was all worth it. Uh, how has that experience been for you? Oh, it's been it's been a life changing journey, and anybody that is either thinking about writing a book or currently writing a book kind of kind of knows what that's about. But it is it's been wonderful. Yeah, it took about four years to write. Um, in the beginning, you know, I'm I'm not a writer. I'm a, a father of four, a former basketball player, and uh, you know, work in the software industry, but. I was reading scripture one night and just was hit with God doesn't play his own defense, write it. And, you know, like any idea that pops in our head, you kind of slough it off or sometimes you gravitate toward it. But I kind of said four kids coaching basketball, full-time job. I'm not a writer. I'm not going to write a book. And then two minutes later, God doesn't play his own defense, write it. So it was, you know, for those that are type A personalities like me, when something like that happens, I knew it was not going to leave my head. So um, the whole premise was, how do we, um, culture is so sports driven that I felt if we could translate the word of God into the language of sports, we could reach a lot more people. And we've been able to do that. We're over about 35,000 copies given away, about 15,000 sold. So, um, you know, the goal is to give as many away as possible and help as many people as possible. So it's been great. That's amazing. That's amazing. And and you've spoken uh, around the country, I know, uh, on this book. Uh, what kind of groups have you spoken to? Oh, wow. <laughs> it runs the gamut from... Yeah you know, youth organizations to uh, men's groups to um, just entire church organizations to CC, you know, CCF organizations, you know, to, mm-hmm. to basket, of- you know, basketball teams, to soccer teams, to yeah. hockey teams. So um, I think anyone that is moved by sport and spirituality um, and a lot of coaches are gravitating toward it and I think that's neat because for those that are sports families you know sometimes you hear your kids say that the three most powerful words in the household are but coach says right coach says so you know if we can if we can have more coaches you know teaching sports and life lessons and weaving in spirituality, we again reach so many more people so much earlier and give them a wonderful foundation in life. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Jeff, tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, where'd you grow up and where'd you go to school? So I grew up in a small town, Waynesboro, Pennsylvania, about three stoplights. It's for those that don't know Pennsylvania, it's about 20 minutes from Gettysburg. Um, Went to uh, college at Mount St. Mary's University and had the privilege to play for one of the greatest coaches of all time, uh, Jim Phelan. Uh, Had the opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament, the NIT tournament, and probably the most rewarding of all, um, met my wife my freshman year there, 
and we've been married 25 years for beautiful children. Beautiful. And, um, and today we, uh, now I run sales for a software company headquartered out of Boston mm-hmm. and also do a little bit of custom home building, um, as for some investment as well. So you're, you're obviously a successful business person um, and, uh, and didn't, didn't choose a, um, a religious path or a nonprofit path. I'm, I'm curious, have you, um, has, have you always been close to God? Has, has your faith always been important to you or has that been, has that been a journey for you? Oh, no, great question. Uh, I, our home, I would say, you know, the old adage, build your foundation on rock. Sure. Um, I was very fortunate to have a very religious mother and father that from as early as I can remember, my dad was a basketball coach for 30 years, but he would also on the weekends um, speak on a lot of the analogies and information and jokes that are, are in this book. So a lot of it is what I was taught growing up and I feel that not everybody has been blessed to have the humor in the household that we had, the spirituality that we had, the sports we had. So um, being able to put that in the written word and get that to as many people as possible was, you know, really important. So now it's been, it's been part of my DNA from, from the beginning and, you know, the whole foundation that I was taught is, which we talk about in the book is priorities are key. And it's pretty simple. It's God, family, school slash work, and then leisure, or in my case, basketball, fishing, golf. And if every decision that you face in life, if you can make it and truly not lie to yourself, but ask yourself, am I making this decision for God first, family, work, and then leisure. If you're making that decision, you really can't make a wrong decision. You might have to make another decision because mm-hmm. things can change and pandemics can hit. You know, right? <laughs> but um, but no, it's I've grown up been fortunate to grow up in a very strong religious household. That's. Well, it comes out in the book. Um, you know, in the book, you uh, one of the in one of the chapters early on, you talk about losing. You you say that when we fail, we must rededicate ourselves to the task. And the same attributes are found in great husbands, wives, grandparents, sons, daughters. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Have, have you yourself? What what has been your experience? I mean, we've all fallen and had to pick ourselves back up. Yeah, I think the, the great analogy. If you think, if you hear when any sports team loses a championship or their season ends, you know, they're down and it's not bad to feel down for an hour, a day, three days. But the the thing you always hear, or sometimes you hear in the interview is, yeah, we lost, but I'm going to be back in the gym tomorrow. I'm going to be back working at it tomorrow. And it, um, it actually, makes you get more focused on succeeding the next time. So one of the chapters in the book is called rebound, which each chapter is an analogy related to, you know, basketball or sports. But if you look up the definition of rebound, 
the definition is to catapult with resolve. It's not to feel sorry for myself, to sulk, to look to, you know, whether it's whatever vices are out there to make me feel better, it's to catapult with resolve. So if you take, if when we fall, if you take it to rededicate yourself and say, oh, I need to sharpen, you know, or round the edges of this sharp stone a little more, you actually can take yourself to a place maybe you've never been. And uh, if you can look at it like, oh, the Lord needed me to fall to get to a place that I never could have been without it, rather than stumbling over in the past or what you might have said or hurt someone's feet, like just clean it up, move on and, and do better. And that's, I think, what a personal relationship with God is all about. We talk about that in the book of being, that's why we talk about God doesn't play his own defense. This is a one-on-one, in-your-face, man-to-man relationship um, that can really carry you through a lot of great times and tough times. And as you say in the book, um, you're you're God's number one draft pick. You know, then that that relationship, I think, have internalizing that, that you're God's number one draft pick can sometimes be a lifelong journey. But if you can get that, I think as a young person, you know, and really understand God's love for you, that that it's unconditional and it's always going to be there. Then when you do need to rebound, you know, he's going to be there. You know, he's going to be there to help you catapult to the next level. Absolutely. I think you're right for young people, maybe around 13 when they start to hit high school 13 to 16 or tough years if you can either use this book or just use that analogy it it builds tremendous i think self-confidence to know no matter what i do or what happens or how mean someone is to me i'm i'm the number one pick in the draft so if i was the only person on earth when jesus hit went to that cross he would have died for us, for you. How powerful is that? And right. there's no greater love than that. So you should always you know, be able to puff your chest out with great confidence, no matter what you run into, knowing that his love is there for you. And it, um, I think it's a great advantage in life for people that understand that. It's just gives you so much strength to carry through anything that you're facing. Agreed. Agreed. In the, uh, in the book, you, you talk about having a balanced life, right? Um, can you tell me a little bit, tell us a little bit about that, um, that part of the book. Uh, balance is so important uh, in life. And, uh, and certainly even as, certainly as adults, I think the biggest challenge, and, and even when you're locked down in quarantine, <laughs> finding balance in your life can be a challenge, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so in the book, you know, each chapter is a sports analogy, right. a spiritual quote from the Bible, a joke, and, that, and that's kind of how each of them go. And this one, balance, if you think about, I always joke about this, so if you've been to a soccer game for like eight or nine-year-olds, yeah. Um, there's absolutely, you know, you, you talk about how do you balance the field or balance the floor? 
well, there's no balance in an eight or nine year old soccer game. There's the ball, there's the amoeba of like 22 players and then the ball pops out and then the, you know, it moves around. So <laughs> you have to think about that analogy to say, how do in my life do I, you know, keep balance? And I'll go back to the foundation of as long as you're asking yourself, is what I'm doing God first, family second, work third? And usually it's the, the work that jumps one of those two. And then third is, again, whatever, you know, leisure that you like, whether it's travel or whatever, as long as everything is focused on God first, then family, and right in that order, yeah, that's... The only time that I that I get anxious or nervous or I go back to that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I you know work this upcoming work thing has kind of jumped, and then I just you know maybe I'll go to church two or three times that week just to hone in more, and it all just comes into focus. Um, so it's all about the priorities for me. You, uh, you and I are old enough to remember the old Wendy's commercial, Where's the Beef, right? And uh, in, the, uh, <laughs> in the book, you, you talk about beef as an acronym. Can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. Well, beef is a very, for the basketball players listening, it's, it's the way that you use your fundamentals and create a foundation for shooting a basketball, which is B is for balance, E is for elbow, the other E is for eyes, and the F is for follow through. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really all about how do you make sure you have the proper foundation starting from the beginning so that, you know, you're not shooting a basketball like this or, you know. Right. And in spiritual life, it's all about, you know, how do you start your foundation on rock? So that when it gets windy, when it gets breezy, when pandemics hit, you're found, you're not wavered. So it's all about proper fundamentals, proper foundation to then build on to hopefully be a stepping stone to heaven for everybody that you interact with and not a stumbling block. And I try to ask myself that in direction of intention each night is okay, in that interaction, was I a stepping stone to that person to heaven or a stumbling block? Right. That's so important. And, and all of us at any point during the day can be either one, right? If we're not continually focused on God and on the right thing. You know, in chapter eight, you talk about allowing God uh, to be your coach and that a, a good coach makes a great player. I'm sure that God has been your, obviously God has been your coach throughout your life. Um, have you seen that? play out for other people? Have you, have you, have you gotten feedback about, uh, I mean, sometimes I think in, in our world today, we're afraid to let go and let somebody else coach us, whether it be ego or whether it be self-involvement. But, you know, I, th I find myself that can be some of the, the, the biggest challenges for people is letting God be the coach of your life. Yeah, I think that chapter is, there's two parts. There's God as your coach or your leader, but then also I highly recommend, you know, a spiritual director as well, whether sure. a priest, a lay person, whatever. And if you think about it, 
Um, what made Michael Jordan, you know, is he, the greatest player of all time. But when he went to North Carolina, he had a phenomenal coach in Dean Smith that took tremendous ability and added tremendous amount of fundamentals on top of it and created an incredible foundation that he could build on. Then he, you know, he'll talk about Phil Jackson being, you know, so you always need someone to challenge you. Um, and so I feel a spiritual director can, you can always talk with, you know, I would suggest at least once a month, you know, meeting, talking about how you're integrating spirituality into your life. Um, and then, so that's kind of from the lay, lay person side. The, um, as far as God leading, you know, I use the analogy of a tandem bicycle. So I think of it like um, if you're on a tandem bicycle, your God is in the front steering. You're on back pedaling like crazy to keep that bike up. If you try to steer from the back or try to pedal and steer on a tandem bicycle, it's, it's not going to work. So you have to work, you know, let him guide you, but you have to pedal like crazy. That's for sure. That's for sure. Jeff, the book has a lot of great analogies and a lot of great stories. I was wondering if you would uh, read one of them for us. And uh, before, the, before the show started, we were talking about chapter three. And, uh, and I have some visual aids to help you with that. So, uh, okay. so as you go through this, and, and so uh, we're, we're doing this live uh, via Facebook this morning. Um, so, but those who are listening to, uh, listening to this on audio, on the audio podcast, we're going to kind of narrate and tell you what we're doing here. So go ahead, Jeff. Okay. So, yeah, this is from the chapter Balance the Floor, which kind of is related to that analogy with the, uh, the amoeba 10-year-old soccer game. But this is from a, a philosophy professor. So a philosophy professor once stood before his class with some items in front of him. When the class began, he picked up a very large empty mayonnaise jar and proceeded to fill it with rocks approximately two inches in diameter. Okay, Jeff. So here's, uh, here's the mayonnaise jar. It's kind of small. But I do have some rocks here for you. So that way people who are watching, these are some pretty, about two inches for those who are listening. And it pretty much filled up this little jar. Okay, go ahead. Go for it. All right. So the professor asked the students if the jar was full, and they agreed it was. Next, he picked up a box of pebbles and poured them into the jar. The pebbles, of course, rolled into the areas between the rocks. He then asked the students again if the jar was full and they agreed it was. Okay, so we've got some pebbles here. We're gonna try to fill this up. This one rock is stopping some of these pebbles, but we're gonna get them in there. All right. Ooh, it's getting full. All right, go ahead, Jeff. So, he picked up a box of sand and poured it in the jar. Of course, the sand filled up everything else. He again asked the students if the jar was full, and they responded with a unanimous yes. Okay, we got the sand going in now. It's getting really full. 
I am going to make a big mess here. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think, I think it's a pretty full jar, Jeff. Pretty All full. Right. The professor then produced a cup of coffee from under the table and proceeded to pour the entire contents into the jar, effectively filling the empty space between the sand and the students laughed. Okay, and there it goes. Ooh, oh my. And there it goes. We got it. No practice ahead of time, Jeff, just so you know. That's great. I love <laughs> and we it. We are completely full. Look at that. That looks like my order at Starbucks. <laughs> I guarantee it doesn't taste the same, but uh, <laughs> pretty nice there. So, All right. Go ahead. Finish your story. Yeah. As the, as the laughter subsided, the professor said, now I want you to recognize that the jar represents your life. The rocks are the important things, your family, your spouse, your health, your children, things that if everything else was lost, the only thing that remained, your life would still be full. The pebbles are the other things that matter, like your job, your house, your car. The sand is everything else, the small stuff. If you put the sand in the jar first, he continued, there's no room for the pebbles or the rocks. The same goes for your life. If you spend all your time and energy on unimportant things, you'll never have room for the true things that are of true importance and substance. Pay attention to things that are critical to your happiness. Play with your children, take time to get medical checkups, take, care, take your partner out on dates for dancing. There's always time to go to work, clean the house, give a dinner party and fix the faucet. Take care of the rocks first, the things that really matter. Set your priorities, the rest is just sand. So at that point, one of the students raised their hand and asked what the coffee represented. Smiling, the professor replied, I'm glad you asked. It just goes to show that no matter how full your life may seem, there's always room for a cup of coffee. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> great story. Great story. So, um, and tell us how that ties into the rest of the chapter. It's just, it really, again, I keep going to the foundation of God, family, school, mm -hmm. and then leisure. It really comes down to that. You know, it's the balance, right, that he right. says in there. If you, you know, you did a nice job of illustrating that, but if you put all sand in that jar right away, like, and I'll, I guess I'll attack what we're even using today. I'll attack social media, right? So if, right. if our kids or if we're always on Twitter, Facebook, you know, Instagram, whatever. That's all stuff that can fill our brain, fill our mind. And we certainly can use it as a wonderful tool like we're doing here. Yeah. But we want to be careful to use that stuff as what my grandmother called chewing gum for the brain. So you got to be careful when it's like, is this just like my brain on chewing gum? Like, what am I... And I talk to my kids about it, like I explain to them when we let them do 15 minutes on an iPad and then they get off and not, if they whine or what, I'm like, so do you have mushy brain? You know, does your brain feel mushy? So we talk about how we feel after being on screens or, and things like that. So it's all about balance and 
Well, there couldn't be a better time to talk about balance because I think for so many of, of us, especially in this environment, you know, life doesn't feel very balanced these days. You know, we're used to uh, spending time at work and then getting out and having the opportunity to play or socialize or be with people or, you know, go to our church and feel comfortable. And, you know, the social distancing thing, I think, has put us off balance. And um, I don't know about how how your job works these days, but I spend a lot of my more time on the computer and probably more time stationary than I ever have before. And you have to, I think, have cutting some time out uh, for exercise, for just being with your family. I mean, it's real, I think it's real easy. Um, and I've heard, I've read, read a couple of articles here and there, news reports, how people with addictions, this is a really difficult time for them because things are so out of balance. So whether it's alcohol or or whatever it is, when you're in this environment, it tends to really, mental illness can be a real challenge. So I think for all of us, even, you know, certainly those who aren't necessarily struggling with a mental illness can can certainly find ourselves out of whack and, and out of balance and, and needing to continue to stay on top of that. Absolutely, absolutely. And what I, I mean, all I think in this time is run to the cross. Yes. Like, so stay right at the foot of the cross, stay as close. And that's what, you know, the subtitle of this book is a practical game plan for building a one-on-one relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Stay tight, stay one-on-one and uh, he'll, he'll guide you. It's not Absolutely. always going to be easy, but he'll, he'll guide you. Yeah. Jeff, do you ever hear from any of your readers or anybody whose uh, whose lives have been uh, touched by your book? I'm sure you have. Oh yeah, all the time. We had a quote from a a guy that said that you know this book was extremely timely, you know, for kind of him refocusing. Uh, I won't use the name of anyone, but I was at a convention for the National Association of Basketball Coaches. And I had a former number one draft picks father come up. He picked up the book, was standing there, and he said, do you mind if I take three of these? I said, sure. Why? He said, I think my son could really use this. And it was a former number one draft pick in the NBA that he was going to FedEx it to immediately. So That's awesome. You know, cool things like that. And um, But just in general – you know, when I speak to youth groups and hand them, you know, the book and they see that it's it's only 100 pages, it's only 10 pages per chapter. And for me being a former basketball player and type A, right, there's a lot of quotes. You know, we joke about it, but it's almost like a picture book. You know, it's, <laughs> it's quotes and jokes and really a night a nightstand book that you can go back to. It is. Um, I mean, it's for most, you know, I'm a slow reader, but for most people, it's probably maximum two, three hour read. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's really quick. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of great feedback, a lot of feedback on, wow, you kind of made the Bible or God's word real or in a language that I could understand. So what I, I basically turned scripture into sports language. Mm -hmm. And I think it, 
can really help people use that in their daily life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, this has been a great, uh, great conversation. Tell our listeners how they can find your book or how they can find you. Oh, sure. Thanks. Yeah. The, the book can be ordered at just amazon.com in the search bar, God doesn't play zone defense, or you can go to my website, God doesn't play zone defense.com. Great. And, uh, yeah, you can reach out to me at J Ballister, which is B-A-L-I-S-T-R-E-R-E at yahoo.com and happy to help you in any way I can. That's wonderful. And uh, just for our listeners, we'll, when we uh, post this episode on our website, we'll make sure we put Jeff's contact information and a link to where you can uh, link to your website and a link to uh, where you can purchase the book. So. Jeff, uh, I hope you get a hole-in-one today. I know you're heading out golfing with your bride and going to have a little fun while the weather is still agreeable. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Jim, thanks for all you're doing with putting this information out and reaching people in this way. I think it's great stuff. Thank you so much, Jeff. It was great to be with you. And uh, I'm a big fan of your brother, uh, Tony. We had him on early on in our podcast. And uh, he's doing great things in the Diocese of Allentown. And uh, you're just a a great family. And I I feel privileged to know you. So thanks again for being on the show today. (laughs) Thank you. God bless. I want to thank Jeff for being on our show today. Jeff, it was just great to meet you. I am so impressed with you and the great work that you're doing with your book, God Doesn't Play Zone Defense. Once again, I will leave a link to where you can find uh, Jeff's website and uh, where to purchase this book on our show notes this week. And if you'd like to, again, view the full video uh, presentation of Jeff and I and the little trick we did there with the cups, um, you can find us on our Advancing Our Church Facebook page, or you can find a link to it on Twitter. Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and the Pottery Studios for their support of our show. If you'd like more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for the past 20 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. Have a terrific week. Take care. And thanks for all you're doing to advance the mission of our church. God bless.